Today I want to speak about the, the four foundations of mindfulness. The last uh, week I spoke a little bit about the essence, what I consider to be the essence in the heart of the teachings of the Dharma, which is the Four Noble Truths, which is the great realization that there is indeed suffering or dissatisfactoriness, there's pain in this world, and that there is a cause. Last week I went into speaking about the causes, the, the craving that's fueled by unawareness of sensual delight, the craving to be someone, the craving to feel nothing. And I also spoke about uh, the pathway that leads to its gradual ending, the path of freedom, cultivating our virtue, our livelihood, our actions, non-harming, that helps to steady the mind, bringing wise effort, concentration, that brings the fruition into greater wisdom, greater understanding. And the Buddha spoke about that um, the way to develop this understanding as well as living a virtuous life is the cultivating the foundations of mindfulness. He said that this is the most direct way to freedom is by practicing these foundations of mindfulness. And the foundations of mindfulness are of the body, the mindfulness of the body. Second foundation is the mindfulness of feelings. Third foundation is the mindfulness of the mind. And the fourth foundation is the dharmas, the teachings. And so maybe I just want to give a little bit of an overview of these four foundations. And again, the sole purpose of Practicing with these foundations is to awaken into deeper wisdom, into deeper compassion. And so the first foundation begins with the body, since we live in a body. Even though, uh, as uh, James Joyce writes in the book, The Dubliners, of a character named Mr. Duffy, and said to the, him, the, of him that Mr. Duffy, Duffy happened to live a short distance away from his body, the Buddha recommended not living a short distance, but to actually be in the body. This is where we awaken, is in the body. Have you had an in-the-body experience? Sometimes we think about in the meditation world, oh, having an out-of-body experience. But what about the advanced practice of having an in-the-body experience? How about a before-death experience rather than a, an after-death one? I mean, were we actually really here? Did, have you ever had a before-death experience? It means to be alive, to be here, to be in this body. And so the Buddha spoke right away of the importance, the very first, the elemental foundation is of the body. The Buddha spoke in the Samyutta Nikaya that, that within this fathom-long body, a fathom is a maritime measurement, about six feet or so, he says that within this fathom-long body, with its thoughts and emotions, exists our world its origin, its cessation, its pathway to freedom within this fathom-long body. So it's within the body that we awaken. So the very first practice that the Buddha offers in the foundations of the body 
is of the mindfulness of breathing. There's actually six distinct practices within the body meditation practices that are recommended to help awaken into greater wisdom and compassion. So the first, as I just mentioned, is cultivating the mindfulness of the breath. Being mindful if it's long, being mindful if it's short, being mindful if it's in between long and short, being mindful that the breath comes in and goes out. So right away in this very first teaching of the breath, the Buddha's pointing to the awareness, the knowing of the breathing in and out, but also the knowing of its changing nature, the mark of impermanence, the mark of change. The second application in the body is to be mindful of what posture you're in. And as a human being, we live in four, we go in and out of four postures all the time. Standing, sitting, lying, and of course uh, from the standing into walking. So we're walking, standing, sitting, and lying, and going in between these all the time. And what is recommending with this foundation of mindfulness is to be aware that when you're walking, being aware that you're standing, being aware when you're sitting, being aware that you're lying down cultivating the sense of mindfulness and fluidity with the postures. The third body teaching is the teaching of being mindful of bringing awareness to the different activities of day-to-day living. So many things we do during the day that at times are going unnoticed. So we're bringing our mindfulness to brushing our teeth, washing the dishes, folding the laundry, having a conversation with someone, uh, gardening. I mean, the, the hundreds and hundreds of different things that we do during the day we have possibilities to attend with awareness. In this way, we are knowing what's happening in the moment. We can begin to perhaps see when we are um, being unpresent and perhaps at times being unskillful. So the mindfulness in day-to-day activities is very, very important and helpful. The fourth practice of the mindfulness within the body is of it's a, a, an anatomical uh, meditation on the 32 parts of the body. I've spoke about this before, so I won't go into it in depth. But it's a very powerful practice of going into the body, being mindful of what it actually is comprised of. First five parts, head, hair, body, hair, nails, see skin. These are the parts that we see when we look at other human beings. I mean, we see their clothes, and we see their head, hair, body, hair, nails, teeth, and skin. And, of course... Um, the cosmetic industry goes to town with head, hair, body, hair, nails, teeth, skin. It's a billion-dollar industry. And, of course, it affects our whole sense of self-esteem and self-worth. And we look in the mirror and we're happy, we're sad. But if we really take a look as we penetrate with this practice of the 32 parts of the body, what actually is head hair? So part of the practice is pointing as we meditate under head hair. What is it? So if you look in a medical dictionary, it's going to say it's hardened cells protruding from the head thread-like outgrowths from the skin of animals. That's what it is. Its function is protection from ultraviolet light or thermal regulation. That's what it is. And yet, of course, we go and we primp it and do this and do that with it and create a whole world with it. We're happy with it. We're sad with it. Hardened cells protruding from the head. Thread-like outgrowths from the skin of mammals. The Dharma penetrates into what it is. Of course, our preconceptions, our create our whole worlds over here, and uh, so forth. So this practice of the anatomical meditations is to go deep into the body to um, get in touch with what is really there. And of course this practice can segue into the next aspect of 
the meditations on the body. I mentioned that was six. The fourth one was this 32 parts of the body meditation. The fifth, as it intersects into what's called the meditation of the four primary elements. Now within all material phenomena, broadly speaking, there's these four primary elements of solidity, liquidity, motion, and temperature. Earth, air, fire, water, different ways of expressing it. But as we, bra- as we penetrate into the body, penetrate into these anatomical parts, gradually in time we begin to also sense into that these parts are made of elements that are solid, liquid, motion, and temperature, constantly changing. And also this practice is very powerful because it really begins to challenge our sense of separation as we begin to experience it just as the hardness that exists within the body, the hardness exists within the world, just as the wetness exists within the body, the wetness exists within the world. And the sense of this separation begins to become challenged. Perhaps that's why Albert Einstein, he once wrote that uh, the notion of separation, quote-unquote, he says, is an optical delusion of our consciousness. It's a very powerful statement from Albert Einstein. But from a physical standpoint, it's a, it is kind of a delusion to consider separation because we are all made of particles that are... Yes, they've gathered and clustered in this way, but when broken down, they just so do they actually get destroyed, or do they actually just these particles morph and change? Perhaps that's why Ramana Maharshi, one of the great uh, saints of India, when he was dying, as students were saying to him, "Please don't go, Maharaj! Please don't go!" And supposedly he looked at them in absolute astonishment and said, "Where, where am I to go?" And um, it's kind of an amazing statement on your deathbed to say, where am I to go? But perhaps it's pointing to that sense of that, perhaps Maharashi didn't experience that sense of separation that, of course, we, we know about. And, you know, from a practical point of view, many of us have experienced moments, brief moments during our lives. You might have even had one today. Maybe you'll have one later today or tomorrow where you do feel connected. You do feel you are the universe. I've mentioned this before here, but Paul Simon has a beautiful song that um, kind of describes that moment. It's called You Think Too Much. And it says in this song, a couple of lines, it says, have you ever experienced a moment of grace when your brain just took a seat behind your face and everything was just sunny and everything was just funny? Have you ever experienced a moment of grace? And I think that we know about those moments sometimes. And in those moments, it doesn't matter. I know in my experience, it doesn't matter whether I live or die or whether I'm here or there because I'm everywhere. There's that sense of connection, that sense of interconnection at home in this universe, not separate from it. The practice of the elements begins to break down those barriers of separation. We begin to experience the sense of the hardness, the solids, the liquids, the motions within us are found here in this world. Inseparable. Even for a moment, if you're unsure, well, what does he mean by the elements? So bring your awareness to your breath right now, in the nose. And for the first breath or two, bring awareness to where you feel the contact point, the touch of the air as it comes in and goes out.
that contact point is the solidity. And then in the next one or two breaths, breathing in and out, and for many noses, maybe not for you, but for a lot of noses, there's some wetness in there. So just breathing in and breathing out and sensing and feeling the wetness, the moisture. Welcome to the element of liquidity. And then next, as you breathe in and out, let yourself experience it moves. The breath comes in, the breath goes out. The element of motion. And then, for this element of temperature, it involves the other elements. So, for example, in a human being, there's solids and there's liquids and there's movement. And when you bring movement to solid and liquid, it generates temperature. So you put a thermometer in this body, what do you get? 98.6 degrees. And so as you breathe in, feel the coolness of the breath as you breathe in. And then it circulates in this 98.6 degree radiator. And as you breathe out, the breath is a little bit warmer. This is the element of temperature. Just as the solids within the body, there's the solids of the floor that you're sitting upon. Just as the wetness within the body, within the world, there's the sap of the plants, there's the waters, the seas, different liquids. Just as the motion of the breath coming in and out, there's the ability to, um, within the world, of the winds, of movement, of other beings moving about, of course our belly, digestion is motion, the breath is motion, circulation of the heart is motion, all these different sense of movements within and movements within the world. As far as this temperature, the heat and the coolness within the body, the heat and coolness within the environment. So this is the reflections of the elements. And then next to the elements is this last number six practice of the body, which is of the mindfulness of death. And actually the Buddha gets very graphic here, inviting us to contemplate, to reflect upon nine different stages of decomposition, beginning with the first day of death, until gradually the body turns to dust in the different stages of decomposition. You used to think this was a pretty gross practice, and perhaps we all still consider that to be so, but there's an old Hindu proverb that has existed for eons that says everyone thinks everyone else is going to die, but not me. And so this type of meditation maybe will help dispel that belief when we actually witness a body dissolving back into dust. The body and its elements dissolving into the environment. So these are the practices of the foundation of the body. The breath, the postures, bringing mindfulness to day-to-day -day activities, 
the anatomical parts of the body, the 32 parts of the body meditation, the element practice, and the mindfulness of death. Each of these foundations are intertwined with the other because within the body, there will always be the second foundation as well as the third, and the second one is the feeling tones of experience. As human beings, we pick up impressions of experiences. Every single experience we have can boil down to three. It's pleasant, it's unpleasant, or it's neutral. Every experience is occupied with these feeling tones. And the Buddha felt this was a very important place to bring attention to, is the feeling tones of experience, because it was at this place, if we could see it at this place, we could prevent a whole cascade of reactivity. These feeling tones are very powerful. So the feeling tones, maybe we could also say as a way of understanding them from another perspective, it's kind of like our gut feelings. It's like, ugh, like we get this feeling. And of course, if we're unattended to that feeling, it can cascade into a whole bunch of reactivity. And I always remember, I've said this here before, there's a beautiful story that Mary Grace, our founding teacher, shared of, um, of a feeling tone practice of when she was going to um, get some tickets for play, and they were ordered, so she just had to go to the booth and pick them up. And when she went to the booth, they said, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I can't find them. So it's like, unpleasant feeling to him. And then it started to, you know, I don't know what they don't have them, I got this ticket, and she was with a Dharma friend of hers, and the Dharma friend said, you know, Mary Grace, it looks like you're having an unpleasant feeling to him. <laughs> and believe it or not, Mary Grace thanked her and said, you know, wait a minute, let me pause here. This, this is an unpleasant feeling to him. Let me just stay with it here. Let me not go off jumping about where they have not taken out the whole... And um, so she's just staying with it. And a few minutes later, the person came back and said, Oh, here's your ticket. I found it. It was over there. <laughs> so you could see that if you were unattending, it could have built a whole cascade of reactivity. And to circumvent that early on prevents a lot of suffering. When we look at the pendant originations, this is the Buddha teaching of the causal effect of, of, uh, of a whole cyclic effect of suffering different chain of events and sequences that lead to one to another. The feeling is very early in the chain. If we can recognize it at this early stage, we can prevent a whole lot of suffering. So bringing awareness to the different gut feelings is very, very important because if they're unattended to, they can lead to a lot of catastrophic thinking, rumination, anxiety, anger, a whole bunch of stuff. So being mindful of the feeling tones of experience from time to time. Third foundation is the mindfulness of the mind, the mind states. There's so many different mind states that are coming and going. Thoughts and emotions and so forth. So we're attending with awareness, being mindful of the different mind states. Within the mind states, within the feeling tones, within the body, there's this constant thread of pointing to the changing nature of things. This wise understanding of the changing nature of things helps us to develop equanimity, helps us develop wisdom, helps us to develop a sense of, of balance, of a broader perspective. If there's a broader perspective, you know there's going to be ups and downs and you're willing and able to go with the flow with much more ease, with less resistance when we have that broader perspective. This understanding of change that comes up through the mindfulness of the body, the mindfulness of the feeling tones, the mindfulness of the mind states, assists us in helping to navigate with this life with greater sense of understanding and perhaps some more ease. 
The fourth foundation is rather than being meditation objects per se, they are different teachings to help us to point how to work with the meditation practices that are arising in the first three foundations. So the very first teaching within the fourth foundation is some of the challenges that we will encounter as meditators while we're doing the practice. Very clever that right within the fourth foundation is instructions like if you meditate, you'll run into the five hindrances. If you meditate, you will be filled with wanting mind at times. If you meditate at other times, you'll be uh, filled with aversion and not wanting mind, hating mind. If you meditate, at times you're going to be experiencing a lot of restlessness. At other times you're going to be meditating, you're experiencing a lot of sleepiness and sloth and torpor. If at other times when you're meditating, you will definitely experience doubt. You're going to be wondering, what the heck am I doing here contemplating my navel? Is this stuff really going to help me? And so it's wonderful to know that right within these teachings, it's already predicting. If you're going to sit, these things will arise. And as we begin to understand their arising and beginning to begin to work with them by acknowledging them, we can begin to penetrate through them. And of course, right next to the five hindrances is the seven factors of awakening because as we work with these hindrances, as we grow with our mindfulness and our investigation, gradually these that were formerly hindrances become objects of awareness and we begin to develop some investigation, some interest in what's happening here. This interest begins to settle the mind. We begin to experience more joy, more energy, more one-pointedness, so factors of awakening begin to arise as we work with these hindrances, as we begin to settle down. Our energy builds, our calmness and tranquility develops, our one-pointedness grows, and we develop greater balance, greater equanimity. These other teachings within the fourth foundation help to analyze this body and mind of the body being divided up into five aggregates or five heaps. There's also the teachings of the eye sees, the nose smells, so an understanding of the functionality of our senses and how the mind relates with them. Ultimately, it leads to the penetration and deep understanding of the Four Noble Truths of suffering, its causes, its pathway to its end, to its lessening. So that, in a, in a nutshell, is the Four Foundations of mindfulness, and of course it's a practice of a lifetime, and we do not need to go anywhere else to within the practices, within the Dharma of meditation. These four foundations, uh, the Buddha said, are the most direct way to awaken, bringing mindfulness to the body, mindfulness to the feelings, mindfulness to the mind states, using the fourth foundation as profound guise as teachings to help awaken. So these are the teachings in a nutshell and, as I said, a work and a practice of a lifetime. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.